Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. G-I-P-D. Thank God it's podcast day. Happy Friday, everyone. This is Rob Fossman, episode number 167 of Shut Up and Grind. Back to wearing the tank top again. You know, even though, even though it's getting cold out there, but I'm inside, so it's all good. So now, if you are new to the show, we're all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds. We're about kicking all the excuses to the side and kicking so much ass until you reach your goal. That's what this is about. So if that fuels you, you're in the right place. If you don't think it fuels you, stay here because I promise me, I promise me, wow, I promise you we will change your mind. That's one of the downsides of doing this live is I can't go back and edit that out, but it's all good. So if you're joining me on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on Facebook, like and share because don't keep this fabulous information to yourself. And it's another opportunity to meet another great guest. And so if you want to know, Who is this guy? And why should I be listening to him? The next minute and 18, we'll let you know. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. It starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again all that stuff I was like you know what like I want to be able to take this even bigger if you know why you do what you do you have to know how to charge for what you do that's how you're going to change your life and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family you gotta know your work I challenge you to find a better podcast intro than that all right, so that's who I am in a nutshell. So a couple of side notes before I get to the teachable moment of the day. You know, I do a show with my lovely daughter, Olivia, called We Buy to Get Deep. That's where we take tough comp- tough compositions, tough conversations, and we have rational discussions about it. So if you're tired of other shows that turn into a bloodbath with people just talking over each other and yelling and screaming, but these conversations need to be had. So this show is about teaching you how to have these conversations like an adult, and you get my Generation X opinion, and you get my daughter's millennial opinion. 
And we have all-star panel number three, although this is the number two thumbnail, but we got all-star panel number three is going to be on November 18th, where I have another six of my uh, my former guests. And we're going to be talking about how to develop an attitude of gratitude. All right. So for the teachable moment of the day is I want you to stop beating yourself up. Okay. Nobody is perfect. There's not one person out there who's perfect. I'm damn close, but nobody is perfect. Okay. So I want you to take losses the same way you take winning. Like for people that watch this show on the regular, you know, I'm constantly talking about the passing of my father in 2019. And I keep bringing it up because losing someone you love is one of the worst things ever. But I share all the teachable moments from losing him, from him getting sick to watching him deteriorate to watching him take his last breath. There's teachable moments there. And so whatever it is that you go through, there, there are things that you can take away from it and teach other people. That's called experience, okay? So don't overlook those moments, okay? And if you need help with that, I created a program called Speak About Yourself Out Loud, where I teach you how to take whatever happened in your life and how to take those moments and turn them into something that you can use, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a blog, whether you want to write write a book or write articles. Like there's so many different ways that you can leave an impact on this world just from talking about your life's experiences, all right, so that's today's teachable moment. So today we're going to be talking about breaking down workforce barriers. So I know that can go in a hundred different directions, but my guest is she, she's the expert in this area. So we're going to let her lead lead the conversation, and then I'll just piggyback when I can. And so, who is this guest? You ask. And she began her career as a producer for theater productions. She later moved into mainstream entertainment television on such shows as General Hospital, Friends, Veronica's Closet. And she was also an in-house staff producer for the Walt Disney Company, Universal Studios. She just captured my heart right there. I love Disney and Universal. And the Staples Center, where she produced for the Lakers, Kings, and Avengers. Like like Captain America Avengers or the, there's some other Avengers? I'm not sure. But anyway, way, welcome to the show, Diane Strand. Good morning. Well, well, hello, everyone. Hi, Robert. It is so wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm really excited about uh, what we're going to talk about today. So let's get to it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm really glad you're excited to want to talk about what you're skilled in. <laughs> I love it. It, it, it. I'm skilled in passion. That is yeah. truly what I am skilled in. And that's what I hope I can feed to your viewers and listeners. Absolutely. All right. So you said you're out in LA? I am. Well, I'm south of LA. I'm in Temecula, you know, Southern California wine country. So that's where, where I, I am. I'm about 70 miles south of LA. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know Temecula. Yeah. I've been to Costa Mesa. I've been to Irvine. I'm going to be in San Diego next, next, uh, end of, end of July for the transplant games. But, uh, I like it out there. You'll have to come look me up. If you come get a glass of wine, you'll drive right by me. <laughs> awesome. All right. We'll do. All right. So are, are you originally from there? No, not originally. I'm born and raised Midwest, Michigan, uh, lived in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, but I've been a California girl since I was 14, so I kind of qualify at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You're definitely a transplant. 
And like I was born in New York City, but I spent the boat. I think we moved to Rhode Island when I was two and a half. I want to say. So, yeah. So, so I'm definitely from Rhode Island. I just say I was born in New York, but I'm from exactly. So, yeah, you know. I, I got mean. a little bit of that Midwestern flair to me. You know, just enough to you know be able to be a a global person. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was just in Indiana a couple of weeks ago for a Spartan race, and I got invited back to to a friend's house for for dinner. I now I'm I'm such a carnivore. So I like all kinds of beef and roast and all that good stuff. But with whatever spices he had, it was some type of Indiana homegrown spice. It was like the best cut of, cut of meat I've ever tasted. It's incredible. Well, that's great. Well, you know, you'll have to see if he can share his secret recipe and, you know, we can we can do a show. You can do a show on that. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. I was very very impressed. All right, so so you said you got some of that Midwestern flair. So how would you describe yourself? Tenacious. Um, it would be the first um, word that comes to mind. Um, but passion is a second one. And then you have to go down to words like compassionate and kind. And then you can get into words like, you know, you can get into words that that kind of start showing a little bit more of my drive and ambition and you get into where you know that one is never enough and sometimes a thousand is too many kind of thing so uh you know i'm that a type personality that just likes to go 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 and sometimes i have to remember to say you know it's okay to you know put on the brakes a little bit or stop and smell the roses for sure. Yes. Yeah. So as you, as you were talking, I got, I got the vibe determined. No, the, determined. the vibe of what? Of determined. Oh yes. 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 Cause like I tell people in the gym, they'll say, Oh, I don't have the motivation. I'm like guys, motivation is a friggin' fallacy. And I said, you need, you need determination and discipline. If you have those two, you can operate under any conditions any condition so so yeah when you're working out is it nice to have some music on yeah but if you forget your headphones that doesn't mean you still can't crush it in the gym <laughs> if you're focused on the task at hand and yeah. you know b before before we, we dive into to the main topic because like i spent 20 years in in corporate america well long, longer than that but i spent a long time in corporate america before i veered off into fitness and even as a manager i would constantly tell people it's like, you know, you're not just here to get a paycheck. I said, if that's how you think, you are never going to grow <laughs> within it, within this business or in this company. Like, you're never going, going to grow. I said, once you make this about something bigger than yourself, because kind of like, like you, I was always go, go, go. And everyone was like, wow, why, why are you doing, why do you do so much? Like, why are you constantly doing this? I'm like, like, this is how you get ahead, man. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, if something comes available, I'm leaving no doubts that I'm the best candidate. You know, so, I love that. Thank you, and we and we can we can circle back to that. But I just wanted to preface with that before I asked you, like, so what what was your childhood like? Like, where did your tenacity come from? Well, you know, um, Mr. Steve Jobs, Mr. Apple. There's oh, yeah. a quote that he puts out there, and it's that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You have to look back. And you know, mm -hmm. I I had to look back recently. I did a keynote uh, just actually last week, Friday, and 
You know, it took me all the way back to second grade, which would put me back in that Midwestern flair. Um, you know, second grade, um, there were three things that kind of came to my mind um, when I started to think about that. That was when I was a struggling reader at that time and being diagnosed with a little bit of dyslexia. Uh, there was a school competition in my second grade of who could sell the most candy and the grand prize was winning a little tiny little 19 inch black and white TV. I wanted that TV. I won that TV. Nice. And the third thing was, is that I really wanted to be in the play and play Betsy Ross in the second grade play. And I knew as a struggling reader that was going to be hard. And I worked and I worked and I worked and I played Betsy Ross. I won that TV. And when I look back now, even as somebody who still, you know, I can re look at a piece of paper and I, I got my handy dandy glasses and everything that works, the, the words can still jump, but I give it a moment and I look at it and I concentrate. I am a script writer now. I've written Title 17 um, uh job training programs. I, you know, have got the part in the Betsy Ross school play, went on all of those things. And, you know, it, it's interesting when I had to do that. It's like, you know, second grade kind of summed it up for me, all three things. And when you fast forward, here I am next week, Tuesday, I turn 54. And, you know, those three things still are very much a part of my life. I work in television. I work with those with special needs um, from dyslexia to autism to cerebral palsy, all of those kinds of things. And, you know, when I want something, I put my mind to it. I shut up and grind just like it says, and I make it happen. And, um, you know, that's really a little bit about who I am. And it was interesting that it almost could be defined in second grade when I started to really pull it together. You know, you can fast forward high school. You know, I'm a product of the, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And what kept me connected enough in school was that I wanted to be in the plays. And you had to get just enough good enough grades, couldn't ditch school enough, couldn't do this, couldn't do all the things that it's like, well, if I wanted to do this, this is what I had to do. And it kept me connected and focused enough that I stayed in those plays. I graduated from high school, you know, and you know, I, I think I found a way to keep figuring it out until the path was very clear to me on how I was going to get there and what I was going to do. But that's also the beauty of being an entrepreneur, right, is every day I wake up and I do something I've never, ever done before. And I love that. <laughs> yes. So I'm big into obstacle racing. And one of, of the, the MCs at the start line, Sean Corbell. He always says, when's the last time he did something for the first time? He says that all the time. And you know, hearing, hearing you say it now is so true. When people come to me and whether they want to lose weight or build muscle, like wh whatever their fitness goal is, I try to have them pick a goal that's outside of their scope. It's like, have you ever run a 5K, maybe a half, a half triathlon or a duathlon or an obstacle race? Have you ever had any interest in any of those, those things? And Usually they say no, but then I, I do a couple of classes called obstacle conditioning where they don't know that I'm subconsciously preparing them to participate in one. And it's, it's not even so much just, just so to go and have fun. 
it's because I know these races present challenges that are going to mentally challenge them. And even with my own daughter, she did her first Tough Mudder this past August. And I did, I went with five or six of, of my clients and none of them had done a Tough Mudder before. It was my, my 11th. So like, I, I know what to, what to expect. And I've done well over 140 obstacle races total. And well, since a bad knee, knee injury, that's that's how the Shut Up and Grind was really born because I was told I would never run, run a jump again. And so all of this came after that. And so with, with the relevance is, is so my daughter, we, we get to this obstacle where you have to jump to a rope, it's over water, and then from the rope, you have to get to this pipe and then shimmy down the pipe on the other side of the water. And so she gets there and she's like, you could just see the internal battle royal and she almost gave up so she finally jumps she gets onto the rope and she's struggling to to get up the rope and i'm video you can you can hear me encourage her i'm like don't you quit don't you take a deep breath it's like you can do this and the whole point is so she made it and it's not even the point that she made it is when she hit the ground just the way her face lit up you know, and it's like, yeah. that's, that's why I challenge them in the way I do, because it's for that moment right there is where that confidence goes to the next level. I, I see that every day, especially, you know, I, in the population that I work with in special needs, you know, when they learn a new task and they realize that they learned this new task, the, the, the relief the joy, the the fulfillment that comes from them when they are like, you know, people said, I could not do this. And here I am doing it because I set my mind to it, because I reach for it, because I didn't give up. I may have had obstacles or challenges and days that I felt like it wasn't even worth it because it took me days, weeks, or months longer than the rest of everybody else. But you know what? I got it. I did it here. And, and it's not even the reward that was, you know, whether it's the paycheck or the, the kudos, it's that they, they realize it inside themselves. And that is something that you can't, you can't give to somebody, you know, in that sense, you have to give it to yourself. You can't, you, you can encourage them and you can stand behind them, get their back, do all those things. But when you can give it to yourself and you can learn how to give it to yourself, there is nothing like it. You know, whether you're six colleges earning four degrees, two masters, 17 hours toward a doctor, a full bird colonel. Right, traveled the world extensively. Kind of successful, kind of. Yeah, just, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there. Right? And, uh, you know, wrote my first book uh, last year. I was doing really well. I just completed an anthology with some folks and, and have started my second solo book. But I have a huge, huge admiration and gratitude toward. Uh, so in first class, George Gaither, because he... One of, the, one, of the, one of the ladies, like, I teach her how to lock in. And so she starts going, then she gets scared, and she comes, comes back down. I lock her in, and, and she's like, all right, so so what do I need to do to make this happen? I said, just go. That's all you need to do. I said, once I teach you how to lock in, the rest is on you. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's nothing else I can give you in this moment. If that's between you and your fear. You know, it's like, if you go up, and you reach a certain level, like, okay, okay, I'm too high, and then they come back down. 
But then once they finally ring the bell, they never not do it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's all about giving, give, sorry, let me, let me back up to my last show. We talked about, this was yesterday, actually. We talked about asking for what you want. You know what I mean? So it's like, if, if, you, if you're lacking in courage, just whatever higher power you believe in, whether it's God, whether it's the universe, whether it's the law of attraction, it just has to be some higher power and just like, just give me the courage to do this. You know, or even if it's yourself, just look look within and be like, you know what, give me the power to do this. And it's, it's funny because I feel like I got a lot of this resilience from sports and but also from managing at a young age because I managed a small diner at 15 and I became a general manager of a full-size restaurant at 19. And it's one of those things where it's like I put myself in a position from the discipline of sports to, to get to get these positions at such a young age. And so now I usually don't break into the main topic this early, but I feel we can easily fill the next 40, 40 minutes talking about workforce barriers <laughs> between both of our experiences. But so so how did first, how did you get into doing what you're doing now? Well, you know, it, it's a long journey to even get here because, you know, I set out, I started as an actress, you know, way back when and then moved behind the the scenes into producing and directing and I wrote a screenplay and I was pursuing an industry in the entertainment industry. I was, that's where I was working. Um, I had a short stint in some corporate video working for Amgen um, in between Disney and some reality television. And uh, it, it was a whole different world to me when I first started to learn about corporate video production and industrials. And I started working for a pharmaceutical company, Amgen Pharmaceuticals, and we were making videos that counted, that mattered. All of a sudden, I'm making videos who for, for people who were diagnosed with cancer or life-threatening diseases. And these were videos to tell them how to take their medication or how to um, recover from the procedure that they just went through or, or different things like that. And it had a different meaning to me. And when I went back even to that reality television world, uh, it was, it, talk about a grind, talk about cutthroat. It, reality television is very, very cutthroat. Um, and it was about um, 11 months in, my husband, who's my partner in life and business, um, said, what if, he's a professional actor, he was doing some directing. He said, what if we cashed in our chips? We had a three-year-old at the time and we, you know, moved 70 miles south out of LA area and started our own production company. Nice. And I learned, you know what, you just have to say yes. And that's how it started. And I said yes. And the next day I put in my notice and we sold our house and we quit our Hollywood life and six figure income back in, you know, early 2000. And we never looked back. And um, how I actually got here is, you know, we were doing video production and then we started with an actor's studio and we were launching careers. And um, I was noticing in those acting classes, there were individuals who were coming and taking acting classes. You know, they were not quite the same as the rest of the population. And it's like, well, maybe they're a little on the spectrum. And but when they were in class and when they were on stage, it was like two different people. Mm -hmm. And I, somebody came to us who had Tourette's. They could not 
go five, 10 minutes without an outburst of something. You put them on stage, now they're working on memorized dialogue. They can be on stage for an hour and a half and never have an episode. Yep. It, it was amazing. And, you know, I, I'm not a psychologist or a behavior specialist, but it was just like, how, how this is interesting, right? So continuing on, I get involved, you know, if you're going to be, I, I'm a true believer that if you're going to make something work, you got to show up, show up and say, yes, those are kind of the key things in the entrepreneurial world, show up and say yes. And um, so I was at a chamber event, showed up, got introduced to um, somebody. Actually, let, me, from, let me jump, ahead. let me jump in real quick. I'm, I'm going to write that down, chamber event, because I don't want you to lose your, your train of thought. I just, I just want to backtrack. I mean, not backtrack, but I want to add on to what you were just saying about why that happened. Now, I'm no psychologist either, but I know things about human psychology, right? So, so you know, before before the, the, the Facebook fact checkers come out, this is Rob's opinion and lived experience, is that's the difference between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. It's like you wake up in the morning, you stretch, you go to the bathroom, you wash your face, like all that stuff. You just do it like clockwork because I had a bad stuttering problem growing up and just trying to talk on the fly. I'm like, mom, <laughs> like it was that bad. And then we had a poetry contest and that was like my worst nightmare. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to get up in front of a couple hundred people and not be able to talk. But I get up there and because I had the poem mem memorized. So now I'm working on my subconscious mind. It, it came out beautifully. And so that's where I know, all right, I have to slow down. I have to get a hold of my material. It's like, I'm in control of this. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's the same there. And again, you know, I'm no doctor, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's why that would have, they would get up on stage because it's rehearsed. And now the subconscious mind is taken over. I, I'm pretty sure that's, you know, what it is too. It, yeah. you know, when it was first happening, you know, it was just like, wow, that's kind of anomaly. But, you know, as I, you start putting it together, it really is the, it's when the subconscious mind takes over all of the, the challenges and the barriers that we put in front of us, not to say that they're self-imposed, but they are a lot of ways that's how our fear or our uncomfortability shows up in us. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a, you know, you talked about fear a little bit ago and, you know, I was told way back when, you know, you don't have to kick fear out. Fear is something that, you know, we all need, you know, yeah. to, to have a little bit of fear in our life to, to keep us safe and all those things, but it's okay to tell fear to take a seat in the back seat. You can't touch the radio. Don't touch the steering wheel that you're going to drive for a while. And, you know, you're going to make things happen. And, you know, you can let me know if you have something to say, but other than that, put your seatbelt <laughs> on and sit down. <laughs> yeah. And it's, 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 it's human nature. It's self-preservation. It's like, that's why fear exists. It's, it's like, you know, before we had houses and supermarkets and everything, we were hunt, we were hunter-gatherers. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like fear kept you alive. And, but that's still part of our, of our genetic makeup. So that's why fear gets in there, but you can't have courage without fear. You know, so it's like, that's how, like people look, look at me, oh God, Rob is fearless. Rob has lots of fears. Rob just doesn't let it, let it, let them stop him. You know, right. I have a horrible fear of snakes, but I love to hike. 
<laughs> and so, you know, hiking, yeah, at some point you're going to cross paths with one. <laughs> and so, and so, so I get out there anyway, even though my heart's in a pit of my stomach, but I do it anyway. It's like, I don't have a fear of heights, but, you know, there is a certain level where you're like, damn, that's high. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> exactly. Like, but you go anyway. So anyways, back to you. All right. So you were talking about the chamber event. Um, well, that's where, um, you know, as I said, you know, I'm a firm believer. You say yes and you show up and uh, when you commit yourself and, you know, I, I, I join the chamber, I uh, sit on workforce development, I sit on economic development. Um, and that's when all my worlds kind of collided at this chamber event. And I was introduced to a, a woman who she worked at Inland Regional Center. There's Inland Regional Centers nationwide across the country. And um, she she said, hey, what if we had a little coffee? I want to talk to you about someone after I told her what I did. You know, I work in video production and I had a TV studio and all of these things. And and so, again, I said, sure. Yeah. You know, let's meet. Let's have coffee. You know, I invite her over the studio and we sat and talked and she had another ask for me. And she said, I have an individual I'd like you to meet. And he has special needs. He has a learning disability, but he loves audio production and he he's very talented. And I went, OK, she's like, you know, what I really like for him to do is come work at your studio. And I'm like, come work in my studio. I'm like, I don't have a job. I, you know, I barely even for him. I, you know, I, I barely even worked out of my studio. I was half out of my house, half out of the studio, trying to figure out how to make all the businesses work. And um, she said, just meet him. So what do I say? Yes. And I meet him. And of course he's awesome. Right. And he starts telling me how he loves audio and he's a DJ and he knows all of this. And I'm like, you actually really know a lot about audio and he was very passionate about it. He just wasn't quite sure how to put it all together. He wasn't quite sure how to explain how he knew it all. But as I would ask questions or he would show me, I knew he knew it. And so I listened to what this young, this woman had to say, and she told me about this, these programs, these workforce programs where I could have him come work at my studio it wouldn't cost me anything as a business financially. And he came with a job coach and I'm like, okay, <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. And he came and he started and was any odd job that I wanted to do. I wanted to move something. I wanted him to clean. I, he would do anything. He just wanted to be around the television studio, see what we did, be a part of all of that. And within four months, I was writing a job training program for adults with special needs. And that's how I kind of got to where I was because I went, if I can teach him, I can teach anybody who has passion. I don't have to be a professional educator. I don't have to be a behavioral specialist. I don't have to have any of this training other than find somebody who has passion and interest and I can work with them. And that's when it started to all develop. And um, thankfully, I had a, a husband who felt the same way and a business partner. And uh, we, you know, we wrote a program uh, in our nonprofit. At that point, I had had the nonprofit, uh, which is all about visual performing and digital arts, because I, you know, I'm a true believer that the arts level the playing field. It takes everything to that 
same level. People have a lot of fear about the arts because they're putting their work out there. It's very subjective. And so everybody goes about it in the same way. The arts, you know, to somebody who can see a person or a stick figure or somebody who can see um, a masterpiece or scribbles, you know, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter the arts level, the playing field, and everybody has to put themselves out there. And if you have passion, arts drive passion, then you have that you have that place that everybody can then rise up from. And that's why I do what I do. That's where, you know, I, I you know, that's why, you know, I, I, I never ever defined it this way until this year. But, you know, people used to always ask me, what do you do now? What do you, what's your job? You know, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a video producer. I'm da, 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 da. You know, I make dreams come true. And I do that by providing hope and now hope. But also to be willing to spread that gratitude to other people through every person that you meet, whether it's just an, a, a chance encounter on somebody at the grocery store or at the, at the counter at the fast food place or whatever, make a new friend. And lo and behold, I, I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of what I call God winks where somebody walked into mm -hmm. my life and it could not have been an accident because they ended up, we ended up having a really great relationship as a friend or a colleague or whatever. And so just be open to sharing your gratitude and as well as being receiving it. So I think those two things go hand in hand. All right, give me a quick answer. How surreal is it that you went from not not being able to afford college to now being able to give out scholarships to other people? Well, it really is. It's very, I get kind of quite emotional thinking about it sometimes because there were so many people along that way that they had no idea of their impact on my life. And in fact, I acknowledged one of those people in one of our scholarships. He was, his name is Stan Johnson and Elizabeth and lives in Elizabethton, Tennessee. He was my math teacher and my boss actually when I worked in the computer center. And his impact on my life was so great that I wanted to honor him and acknowledge the, the contribution that he made to my life. So I, I put a, a large part of our description of our uh, endowed scholarship to him. And uh, he was very touched by that act on my part. He's 90 some years old now, but still a wonderful person and a dear friend. But uh, it's it's kind of surreal to realize when I look back, you know, we we had powdered milk to drink. I don't know any of you have ever had that, but we couldn't yep. even afford real milk. <laughs> and when I went up and worked in the chicken house up the street so we could I could bring eggs and, and chickens home to eat. So, you know, when you come from that kind of a background, hopefully you'll never forget where you came from yeah. and be able to give back not only to that community, to, but to anybody that you come across in your life. Love it, Dave. That's awesome. All right, George, you're up. Oh, oh powerful stories, guys. Hey, look, I, my internet keeps dropping in and out. I'm not really sure why, but I'm going to try to uh, see this real quickly before it drops off again. But let me start off by saying, hey, Sylvester, thank you for your service to our nation, man. Well done when you're on behalf of your family or house feed. I'll salute you. Yeah, look, let me talk about failure for a moment. Remember, I'm the failure coach, right? So failure has got to be fun. We need to learn how to make it fun, guys. I mean, failure is just as much fun as it is success if you change that mindset. So let's talk about changing a mindset when it comes to, to fear of failure. See, most people have been taught what? Oh, they fear of failure. 
here's what I think throughout my research and throughout my life and throughout the times and the things that I'm trying to do here. Here's what I believe, right? I don't think people feel failure at all. And why do I say that? Because they know that they're not going to always accomplish everything about which they do, right? So what has actually happened, though, they've heard that they're supposed to fear failure. So therefore, they say, what? I fear failure. Here's what I think is actually happening. It's not the failure that they fear, but the stigma associated with the failure. That's what they're really afraid of, isn't it? Because when you fail, now you have this stigma associated with us that says, what? You're not any good. You're not worth this. You're not worth that. You'll never be whatever. You come from a poor environment, so therefore, you should be. No, I, look, I tell you, I, I identify with you, sir, quite intensely. Same type of background, right? East rural Texas. Yeah, I know what powdered milk is. You better believe I do. So a lot of the kinds of things that, uh, that we're shown and that we see is that we expect for ourselves, uh, you know, to think that way because it's just an expectation. So oftentimes people will say that they fear failure. And if they really thought about it, I really think it's the stigma associated with it. And in the Army, we have all these acronyms in the military in general, right? So I came up with this, this acronym regarding the, uh, the stigma piece. And it's, really, it's simply this, right? It's shameful thoughts I give myself anxiously. That's what stigma is, isn't it? Shameful thoughts I give myself anxiously. So when people go out and they fail, right, it's really the stigma. So we really need to change our mindsets to see you know, the failure that we experience as that, man, that awesome opportunity to get better, to get stronger, to learn from those past experiences, to move from where we are to where we're supposed to be. Robert, you and I both are high jumpers, right? So yeah. I totally identify with who, uh, you know, with what you're saying. How many times have we gone and attempted the bar, right? And wonder whether or not we're going to actually get over it. Interesting enough is that oftentimes we say what we're fearful of going and not accomplishing that task. And if we really think about it, it's really it's really not the fear of jumping. Otherwise, we wouldn't jump at all. But we're worried about whether or not we clear that bar. Right. If we clear the bar, then who up? Great stuff. <laughs> if we don't clear the bar, now we're worried about the stigma associated with not clearing the bar. So it's really the stigma, not necessarily the fear of failure. Thanks, Robert. Love it. Awesome. All right. So, Bester. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for your service as well, George. Uh, for me, I go back to that uh, that attitude of gratitude increases your fortitude. So, for me, for about the first eight years of my military career, I considered myself to be a follower that transitioned into a manager. I didn't consider myself to be a leader at all. There's a huge difference between the two, but that's another story. But uh, in the process of going along that journey, it wasn't until my third deployment to Iraq that I realized the obligation that had been bestowed upon me. And as we get ready to board the plane and we get that last hour to spend with our family, one of my soldiers introduced me to his family, like his literally his whole family, his wife, his kids, his mother, his father and his mother uh, and his mother. And as we're standing there talking, he just speaking so highly about me, about everything that I was able to influence him and impact him in some type of way. And it just gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me a sense of work, you know, and uh, his mother pulled me to the side and she said, thank you. And please bring my son back home safe for her to share that with me, to like bestow her obligations as a parent onto me. It really gave me a sense of like, man, you ain't got nothing to do but just react. I had so much self-doubt. I had so much uh inner critic going on. I had that fear that I couldn't do it. 
that I wasn't capable of being a leader. I really found myself in a position where I was holding myself back from fulfilling the obligations and requirement that I was capable of doing. But it was just about that stigma of me failing if I wasn't able to bring this person back, if I wasn't able to lead these soldiers where they needed to do and train them and, and teach them how to go. I was just going with the motions of everything that was going on. But by having that sense of, of gratitude just gave me the fortitude, the, the tenacity, the, uh, you know, the, the don't quit. Uh, I, the soldier creed pop up in my head. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. When that popped up in my, it, it just resonated with me so much to the point that I knew I had to make it happen. I knew I had to bring the soldier back. I knew I had to fulfill my obligations as a leader. I knew I had to take charge and do what I had to do in order to come back. So that was an opportunity where I had to look fear in his eyes and say, you will not get the best of me. I'm going to take charge of this organization and we're going to make things happen and we're going to come back home safe. So that's uh, uh, an opportunity for me where gratitude and me having to step up to the plate and have to put in that courage. Love it, man. Powerful stuff. Love it. Brandy, bring us home. Well, yeah, so everybody's really touching on the same kind of thing. And I have a story to go along with that in regards to fear. And so probably eight, nine years ago, I met a man who I developed a very close friendship with. And I, I just found him very valuable to have in my life. And we connected on a more intimate way and, and had a relationship. But after a while, what I started to realize was that um, it, he wasn't my kind of forever person, you know, he wasn't the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. However, I met someone through him that was, and what I had to do was tell this person that I really thought was a valuable person in my life that I wanted to kind of get to know someone better that he met, that he introduced me to. Well, that didn't sit well with him, not at all. And so he was very angry, not, not happy with that. And I saw the relationship kind of falling apart before my eyes. I knew I was going to lose this person, not only as a partner, but also as a friend. And that scared me. That, that brought up a lot of fear in me because I really found him valuable in my life. But when I replaced the fear of loss, kind of like with your dad, you know, kind of like Sylvester, kind of like George, like when you replace the fear of what you're not going to have, what's not working or whatever, with gratitude, what are the gains instead of the losses of this interaction and this relationship or this experience, everything changes, right? So not only what did I shift that and just put my gratitude in the place of fear, but I developed a sense of, wow, this is bigger than just this little bitty experience here. This is like something that can change my life. And while I did lose the friendship and the relationship in that person, I gained a husband. So, <laughs> so in that way, it was totally worth it, 100%. But at the same time, every time I think of that person in my life now, I think, wow, I'm so grateful for him. And because he came into my life, I have... A loving family now. I had a, I have a four year old girl now. I have a supportive, healthy relationship in my husband, and I think if we can practice that more often, what are the gains instead of the losses from this experience or this person or this relationship? It just changes everything. Yes, absolutely. See, that goes back to what I was saying about finding the teachable moments. Like that that person 
served his purpose. You know, like when you actually step back and you look at it, he served his purpose. There was, there was um, a woman I went to high school with. I, I hadn't seen her in decades. And so now I donated, donated a kidney to my sister in 2011. So I think this was 2014, I want to say. She saw something I posted online about, about my sister. And her brother had gone into kidney failure. And she was in testing to, do, to donate the kidney to, to him. So she, she ended up joining my gym. And, you know, I'm talking to her about the process, what I went through, the, you know, the recovery, was I scared at all? And so we went through, through that whole process and she got the sur surgery done. And then she moved to, I think she's in North, North Carolina, I want to say. <laughs> you know, so, so it's like she came back in for that moment, you know, and then it's like, you know, we'll, we'll say hi here and there, but that was the moment. So it, it was, she was placed back with me to help get through that moment to save her brother. And then that moment has moved on, you know? So like some people would take that as, oh, well, they just used me for blah, blah, blah. I was like, but just think about that. In their moment of need, they thought of you. <laughs> I was like, so many people take that as such a negative thing. They're like, oh, they only called me because they, they needed fitness advice. Okay, good. They needed fitness advice. I'm not the only trainer on earth. And they thought of me. It's like, I'm actually thankful that they thought of me, you know? So I want to close out round two by saying, once we realize that life is so much bigger than you, <laughs> you know, and that's why I can talk about my, 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 you know, my dad's passing because he went the way he wanted to, like, he didn't want to be a hundred years old and having a walker and having oxygen. And, and I'm not dissing anyone that's in that position, but he said it. I mean, God, I remember in his in his 40s, in his 50s, in his 60s, in his 70s, he always said when he can't build anymore, that's when his time on this earth, earth is done. And the last thing he did before going to the hospital was he and my son fixed my mom's car. He went to the hospital the next day to have a very, a very risky surgery because he was in stage four heart failure. So we knew we were going to lose them at some point. But if this surgery was successful, we could get two to five more, more years. And and he didn't hesitate when we were in the family meeting. He's like, do it. And, you know, my mom's like, are you sure? He's like, I heard what he said. <laughs> He's like, do it. <laughs> and so, so we went ahead with it. And, you know, there were, there were complications. He went into a coma. And we and we lost him. But, but the thing is, is like where the gratitude kicks in was that, they were able to unsedate him enough to where he was coherent. Like he had tubes all in his throat and stuff. So like we couldn't talk, but he could shake his head. Yes. He could shake his head. No. And so like my mom's asking him, are you in pain? And he's like, no. Well, first, can you hear me? He's like, yes. Like, are you in pain? He's like, he's like, no. And they had a conversation before the surgery that if it got to a point to where we had to end care, like he, he gave her the green light. He's like, don't hesitate. And so in his final moments, I'm going to get emotional again. But like my mom takes out a phone and she played their song. And so she's rubbing his head and she's singing this song to him. There were three generations of us that were there. So it was his, his wife, it was his kids, grandkids, right? So there were three generations there. And we all got to say goodbye, tell him we love him, you know, tell him how much he meant to us. And then, you know, they ended care and then, then we watched him move on. And, but there are people that just get a phone call. Hey, so-and-so passed away. And they're just like smacked in the face with a frying pan with that news. 
And so like where I can be thankful was that we got to have that moment. Fast forward, like um, I don't I think it was Sylvester who mentioned March of 2020. Like, fast forward, say he say he survived five more months, he would have been alone. <laughs> you know, like we wouldn't have been able to have a funeral for him. Like we wouldn't have been able to have that last moment of saying goodbye with him. So we we would have been robbed of that moment. He would have been robbed of that ending. Let me tell you, I'm jealous of that ending. You know what I mean? So like when my time comes, I hope I can have my kids and my grandkids and hopefully great grandkids around to, to have that that final goodbye. So like I can sit back and be and be thankful that we were able to have that moment and that he was able to have that moment. You know how many people died alone last year? You know what I mean? So I, I look at it that way and I can talk about it, you know, from a place of gratitude. All right. So we're going to get right, ready to bring it home. All right. So, Andrew, this is your moment. You got five minutes to shine. Whatever you want, want to share, whatever you want to pitch, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Floor is yours. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll start this before seeing how people get in touch. Really quick, I just want to shine a spotlight for people watching because the message of gratitude here. <clears throat> Without trying to be a sob story, everybody on this panel communicated hardship, but also <clears throat> in their own way, everybody on this panel is thriving and enjoying life. So I just want to shine a spotlight on, on the wonderful example that everyone's here in hopes that viewers will really connect like, wow, for, through all the challenges, trials, and tribulations, people are using gratitude. They're using their approach or using their mindset in order to make sure that this life is not wasted. Having the right perspective on how things play out and the timing of things. Having the right understanding of people being in their life, not being in their life. Uh, challenges, and again, thank you, George and Sylvester for your service. Challenges in, in those areas. like. <laughs> really amazing. So I just wanted to shine a, a spotlight on that. Um, this inspires me today. And I wonder how I'm going to implement this and stuff that I do. Like, for example, again, to say what I do, I, I've got a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Andrew Cap. Um, it's basically <laughs> all in support of, of the law of attraction content I teach. And um, if anyone wants to check out the book, they can simply go to lastlawofattractionbook.com, which will auto forward to the listing on Amazon. It's audiobook, it's print, it's Kindle, it's, it's anything you want. But again, Robert, I'm just like, thank you for, for having me here. Thank you for, and I mean, we didn't know, I didn't know it was going to be this kind of day, but like what a significant day. I, I really truly feel honored and privileged that you would invite me on the panel today on, on such a significant moment for you. So, so thank you to you. Thank you for everyone on the panel. And, and thanks to everyone that's watching today. Um, if you're watching this today, it means that you are on a path to something better. And that doesn't mean that you're not already on an awesome path. It just means please be grateful because that will help invite more into your life faster, easier, better, in a more vibrant, more fulfilling way. So just want to say thank you to everyone. I really appreciate it being here. Love it. And I just want to piggyback on your words really quickly because opportunities are all around us. But when you're looking at life through a lens of gratitude, you're able to see them. You know, so yes. just to just to add that that extra bit to what you you just said, because that's the problem. When when we when people are wallowing in the stresses and the struggles of life, you got the opportunity right here saying, "Bing, bing, bing, I'm right here." But you're so focused in the struggle that you don't see it. Yeah, and it's not to say that those struggles are not important or significant. It's just to yeah. say, what can you do constructively about it, given the fact that they are significant? Yeah. Why allow yourself to be stuck down one path? when you can strategically go down another that <laughs> you will enjoy your life so much more. 
Yep. So, so true. Well, thank you again for joining us. I said, I know, I know you got to ha have a hard out. So I just wanted to take, take the time and say, thank you. I'm sure I don't want to speak for the others, but I'm sure everyone took something away from, from your time being here. And as always, I'm sure we're going to cross paths again. Please uh, reach out anytime, Robert. So grateful to know you and grateful to be connected with everyone else today. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right, Dave, you're up. Well, I, I would echo what Andrew just said, that I feel so honored to be amongst this panel today and and honored that you would even think to invite me to be part of this, that uh, this is a real honor. And as you in our first uh, get together, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that that particular podcast. It was just a, I told my wife, I said, well, this guy, Robert, now we could have gone on for three or four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could it, was, it was a delight. But uh, I just want to... Uh, say a message to those that are watching, hopefully, and and have gotten the message out of all this uh, attitude of gratitude discussion and so forth. And and I want to encourage people to, you know, look into these folks books. You know, they've we've they've said their things today kind of a, in a, a, a capsule, but you need to probably dive deeper into what they're saying in their their books. They've they've spent lots of hours of time putting their thoughts and their messages down in writing. And so it's worth following up on, on those. And, and that was my purpose in writing my book. Uh, the, uh, the touched by the music book was I wanted to make sure that these encouraging and inspiring stories, which I've told for years, you know, and you, you know, when you get invited to speak or whatever, you tell all these stories and people said, well, you all write a book. Well, I did finally. So, but those stories hopefully resonate with somebody and will provide them. And maybe just that, you know, like George, like, like that one message you got from one person that changed your life. You know, and all, I think about all of us can probably look back to one person or one message, one teacher, one friend or something that had such a strong influence on your life that really made you stop and think, oh, well, I need to go in this direction instead of that direction. And so I'm hoping that what I'm saying in my book with some of these stories will do the same thing. And I know that uh, I, I hope that if, <laughs> if anybody reads my book and doesn't go listen to the music of Rachel's song, there must be something wrong with you because I think <laughs> the curiosity surely will kick in and say, well, what does this song actually sound like? But it is a song with no words. So it, it can be heard by anybody in any language, any country. And for some reason, this song reaches into the deeply into the souls of people that hear it. And I've got over 50,000 letters from people all over the world telling me how my music has touched their life. In many cases, uh, one person was actually in, a in an iron lung and he wrote me a, a little tiny little note. It was only about two sentences. And he said, uh, I listened to your music to drown out the, the thumping and whatever of the pump that, that makes, that allows me to breathe. And he said, your music brought me back to life twice. So, you know, when I get a letter, a note like that, I, I cannot ignore the inspirational aspect of my music and the need to get it out to more and more people. And I'm not just trying to sell my music or whatever. I really feel strongly that God gave me this song, Rachel's song for a reason. And he wants my, the rest of my job, since he gave it to me, he wasn't finished with me. He says, all right, now your job is to get that message and that song out to all the people that need to hear it. 
And so I would encourage people to go. You can go, first of all, you can go to my website, which is a good place to start, but it's just combsmusic.com, C-O-M-B-S music.com. And there you'll find links that if you, if you click on my book, it'll take you right over to Amazon where you can buy the book. Or if you click on my the CD cover, it'll take you right over to where you can see how to buy the, the CD if you if you still have a CD player. But and most people can go on, you know, iTunes or Amazon.com and and download the songs, or you can go on Spotify and say, you know, hey, so and so play Dave Combs music or play Rachel's song, and sure enough, it'll start playing my song. So uh, I just want to encourage people to go to go to my YouTube channel. It's called Combs Music is my channel name. C O M B S M U S I C all run together. But I have tons of videos because I'm also a photographer. I love beautiful pictures of flowers and scenery and landscapes. And I've taken my photography and my music and married them together and made a lot of music videos with my music in the background. And the scenery is just spectacular. So go there and, and spend some time on YouTube and enjoy the, the, the scenery and the music as well. And um, it's just, uh, I'm just feel so honored that during this last year, I got off my duff and wrote this book and now I see what it's doing and I'm without a whole lot of advertising except on podcasts like this, the book has become a, a, a top seller on Amazon and continues to do well. So I, I think there's a message there for me and for other people that maybe I did the right thing. And I would just encourage you to, uh, to, to do that. And, and by the way, if anybody buys my book and wants an autographed copy, all you have to do is send me an email at dave at combsmusic.com and your name, and I will mail to you a specially printed plate that you can stick inside the front cover of your book. And I'll write you a message to so-and-so and give you a little message and sign it and date it. And so just all I need is your name and where do, where do I mail it to? And you don't have to send me the book. Just, just send me your name and address and I'll send it back to you. So that's and because I've had a lot of people say, wow, I've got about 10 people I want to give this book to for Christmas or for the holidays. And so that works for me. Just send me the 10 names. I'll do all 10 of them, mail it back to you. and Off you go. You've got your 10 gifts already prepared for Christmas. So anyway, it's Robert, it's been a pleasure to be on here with all these fine folks. And uh, it's hopefully an inspirational day. And we are all grateful to you for all you do for all of us and all of mankind. Thank you. Pre appreciate that. Before we go, we go to George. Uh, so I just want to piggyback off of something that Dave just said about, you know, well, maybe I am doing the right thing. Uh, so I got, I got a, a postcard here where someone says, you know, thank you for all that you do because of you. Life is better in so many ways for so many people. Mm. You know, it's like in hearing hearing things like that, where it's like, oh, I gotta I gotta respond to all these emails. Or, oh, I gotta call all these people. It's like just the grind that you go through on a daily basis. It's to get feedback like that. You know, that's what it's all about. So if you got something in your heart that can help other people, don't hesitate. Just get it started. Doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to start. It's like every day, every week, I'm tweaking different things within this podcast. Like from when I had Brandy on 120 episodes ago, it things are flowing so much differently now than it was than it was back then. That doesn't mean your episode was any less powerful, but it just means that 
you know, we're learning and growing with each, even from when I had George on, which was like probably 40 episodes ago, things are still different now. Like always learning, evolving and growing because we're, we're, we're touching so many people in so many diff- different ways. Like I'm ranked in the top 20 for podcasts in Indonesia. <laughs> you know, in Indonesia, like who would have thought? <laughs> and I'm ranking in Indonesia, in France, in India, in China. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> Absolutely unreal. So it's all about just getting started. All right, George, you're up. Wow, what an amazing story, uh, Robert. Hey, look, let me echo uh, what some of the other folks have actually said. Thank you for this amazing opportunity, Robert. Thank you for showing wisdom and leadership to be able to pull folks like this together. I don't believe in accidents, man. That's just not the way it is. I believe our lives are definitely orchestrated. And there are folks within the listening audience, man. I'm grateful to them for for, for plugging in, and I'm hoping that they'll take some of these nuggets of wisdom by which these people's lives have actually um, uh, actually showing. So, um, you know, I'm reminded of who was it? It was Denzel Washington, right? You you know, he said that um, um, people are always focused on his success. And, you know, he's been asked multiple times, I mean, Hey, how did you become so successful? He says, well, you know, I did some some basic things. He says that, you know, the first thing that you've got to believe that you can become successful. A lot of people don't believe it. They just, they say it, but they don't really believe it, right? So we've gotten used to just just listening and, and mouthing what other people say. But he says, look, first thing you got to do is you got to believe it, right? He said, the second thing that you got to do, you got to focus. I mean, it's like laser light focus, not just say, look, you know, name and claim it sort of thing, but focus on the kinds of things that it requires for you to become successful. You must believe, you must focus. Then he says that, you know, look, even if I'm a, a perfect world, right, the, the kinds of things that you have to do, I mean, you have to work hard. I mean, you really have to really, really work hard. And for me, that fourth nugget, right, no matter whether you have, you know, uh, the perfect faith, the perfect life, or whatever the case may be, you can believe, you can work hard, you can focus, but you still got to fail. In order to become successful, mm-hmm. you must walk through the doorway of failure not going to happen any other way, right? So if that is indeed the case, let's have fun doing it. Let's learn, right, in the process. See, it's not always about win, win, win. There's no such thing as win, 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 right? Because at some point you're going to fail. But it's not the failure that matters. It's how we respond to that failure. I come up with a formula. The formula is simply this, F plus RR equals S. For those military-minded people, that's Foxtrot plus Romeo, Romeo equals Sierra. That's failure plus right response equals what? Success. So failure is really the greatest resource man we have on the planet. Trust me, dude. Look, I am usually, I should have a PhD in failure. (laughs) Because, but in that failure, man, I have learned so much. Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, right? Elon Musk, Thomas says, I'll said this, they learned way more from their failures than they ever did from their successes. This is who we are as a people. The problem is that when it comes to the failure thing, we've been inundated with this negativity, right? And that is not the way in which it was designed to be, in my view. If you change that mindset to see failure for what it could be, man, you can go from where you are to where you're supposed to be. If you want to get a hold of my book, you can go to Amazon. The title of the book is Failure is Not the Problem. It's the beginning of your success. That's uh, Amazon. My website, Robert, is www.georgeamilton.com, www.georgeamilton.com. Thank you again, my friend, for this amazing opportunity uh, to, to visit with you, to meet some high-speed panelists. I've taken copious notes. 
I'm going to be reaching out, man, and getting some of their, uh, their material and just learning even more from this. But again, thanks, everyone, for this opportunity. My pleasure, George. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I love that. You know, what pe people don't understand about failure, that's where experience comes from. Having experience means you've made all the mistakes already or most of the mistakes already because no, nobody makes all of them. But that's how, how you get experience. Then just like how, like I said earlier, that's how you get courage. Like you, you can't have courage without the presence of fear. <laughs> and I was like, that's what makes it courageous. <laughs> it's like I'm scared like crazy, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, yeah. so the two go hand in hand. All right, Brandy, you ready? Oh, I'm sorry, Sylvester. Yeah. I, lied. I lied, Sylvester, my bad. <laughs> I saw that look on your face. I'm like, uh. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Robert, for the opportunity again. It's phenomenal to be out here with all everybody that's on the on the panel currently right now. Uh, for me, uh, you can go to my website at SylvesterJenkins.com. Uh, when you go into this website, you will also have the opportunity to download a free ebook on nine ways to develop mental toughness. Uh, also, you can go on uh, Amazon and and uh, see my book, Winning the Battle Within, because you can't win the war in the world if you can't win the battle on your mind. So what I do, I'm an author, professional speaker and mental health advocate. I help lives to thrive instead of survive. Uh, what I do, I help the next generation to become resilient leaders that triumph in life. So if you ever are looking for a speaker or just want to know more about me, just go to my website. You can find out more about me. And I'd love to hear from anybody who is interested in what I do. Uh, thank you again to all the panelists. I feel like I can connect with each and every one of you some type of way. Dave, I'm in the middle Tennessee area, so I can relate. I know where you're from. George, again, thank you for your service. And uh I salute you and everything that you're doing currently. Brandy, hey, I went down that dark path for dealing with relationships, and I love what you're doing as far as bringing other people's life. So I appreciate every each and every one of you. Robert, it's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you again for just allowing me this opportunity. It's really humbling, especially on the day of your father's passing. So I greatly, greatly appreciate you, and my condolences to you and your family. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate that said a lot. Yeah, no, this it was such a hard decision because, like I told you guys backstage, I was like, you know what, I can do this. I can do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I gotta move the date. Mm. <laughs> and then, nope, the universe said, uh-uh, you're busy that day. You're gonna go back here and you're gonna do what you train other people to do. Is the face being uncomfortable? Mm. You know. And so, like I keep talking about about people finding finding the powerful moments, finding the teachable moments, and just embracing it. And so, again, thank you all for, for joining me on this day. But we got one more. Brandy, it's on you. Thank you so much, Robert. Gosh, thanks, all of you. I, we're going to walk away today just feeling amazing with all this gratitude being thrown our way, aren't we? So how cool. Maybe we should do this at least once a week. I don't know, Robert. We'll have to think about that. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> and you know, thank you so much for sharing that about your father and being, to, being able to step to your edge of uncomfortability because without without feeling uncomfortable we can't grow like that's that's the truth right so i really appreciate you for sharing that with your dad and and i gotta tell you i i love your dad's energy you know i get i get information and energy from photographs and just looking at your dad's photographs i have to tell you you know i could definitely feel that he was just so grounded in who he was and what he was oh, here yeah. to do and then passing that on to you what a gift what an incredible gift so thank you for sharing that with us. It was really, really special. 
And thanks all of you for, for all you've contributed today. It's been amazing being here and experiencing this with all of you. And George, what you said is so encouraging to me because I fail a lot. Like a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so well, I really appreciate the encouraging words me about too. failure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm definitely going to reach out to all of you because uh, I have an internet TV podcast called Beyond the Edge. I'm the host for that. And I have a co amazing co-host. And we'd lo I'd love to have all of you on. You just have amazing stories. And our, our, our uh, platform is health and wellness, energy medicine, and spirituality. I just, you just can't get any better than that, right? And all of you bring that to the table. So I'm definitely going to reach out to everyone here. I'm also an intuitive life coach. So what I do is I help people just figure out what their most empowering skills are. And we hone in on that. We take it up a notch, actually a hundred notches. And then we I help people just step out of their own way. And the, you know, the thing where I was talking about earlier about how in, um, in gratitude, if you have these barriers like anger, unforgiveness, shame, blame, uh, resentment, people don't know that we can actually get rid of those like in an instant. It's like, you, you know, we hold on to these things and we harbor them for a long time. But trauma creates some some things that our body and our minds just go, I can't let go of that. But with the right tools you can let it go instantaneously. And that's what I really love about what I do. It doesn't take a bunch of crying. And, you know, I love your show, uh, Robert, Shut Up and Grind, because I'm just, I, I'm not into that kind of like, let's just, you know, cry forever and get it all out. I'm like, look, you've suffered enough. Let's just, let's just get rid of it and move on. And most people really, really want that and love that. So that's pretty much what I'm about. My website is brandydeutsch.com just my name. And, you know, I'm, I'm just open to people just reaching out and saying, Hey, what do you think about this? And I have this problem about that. I just, I really love connecting with people. Um, the other thing that I have going on, I have a new show coming up and it's called impossible conversations. And so through our production company, uh, what basically we're going to have a, another show, internet podcast TV, where we bring people together with opposing views on very controversial subjects because it seems like it's been very difficult for people to talk about certain things lately. So what we would love to do is to create a safe and um, you know healing environment for people to come together and connect. Um, there's a lot of potential for those uncomfortable feelings, Robert, but I've been facilitating healing circles and gatherings for a really long time as a yoga instructor, meditation teacher for over 20 years and a healer for, you know, even longer than that. I really know how to help people kind of bring down their emotions, neutralize those and come together together in a way that is productive, that helps us connect to one another. And my and my final thing is I just want to give a tip to those who are struggling with gratitude, who know that they have those obstacles. And it's so simple. It's just to be able to look up, to go outside and look up to the heavens. And when we do that, there's this innate mechanism in the brain that triggers interconnectedness, the feeling of interconnectedness. And we're all capable of that feeling. And when we look up to the heavens and the cosmos, the gratitude is actually embedded in that feeling. 